Well, hey, welcome to Emmanuel Church. Uh, my name is Matt, and I want to thank all of you for coming for week four of our Life Verse series. Our Life Verse series is something we've been going on here for four weeks. Uh, you've got to hear a different speaker each one of those weeks, and so I am number four and get to wrap this one up. And I'm excited about it. I'm actually I'm really fired up uh, about what God's laid on my heart because I think it's something that will, uh, that will be valuable for you, that will challenge you in this coming week in the same way these ideas have been challenging me in my life as well. Now look, I just want to point out something that's just real, okay? It's summertime, and I know that not all of us can come to church every week during the summer. And so uh, if you've got your hand out today, we're actually going to jump in pretty quickly because I'd love to recap this series, go through just uh, a couple of nuggets from each week that I really want to make sure that you can take back with you. And if you've missed one of our services in this series, I just ask that, uh, hey, I encourage you, go to our, e- our website, eclife.org, and check those podcasts out. In this series, we've rallied around one primary idea about a life verse, and it's in your notes. A life verse is an anchor for our souls. A life verse is an anchor for our souls. And each week you've heard from this stage, you've heard that mentioned. You're going to hear it again today. I promise you that. But each week we focused on a different life verse from each one of our speakers. In week one, we had Bill Miller, our Banta campus pastor, Bill, props to you and your banter crew out there listening today. And Bill brought us his life verse. But he said that not only is a life verse an anchor for our souls, but a life verse gives us encouragement. A life verse can give you encouragement. And Bill shared his life verse with us. It comes from Romans chapter 8, in particular, verse 28. And here's what it says. It says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. And Bill talked about this life first and how it's grown into his life, how uh, the tough situations that he has faced where Romans 28, 28 had been there for him. And Bill also said something really important that addresses a misconception sometimes we have about this verse in the Bible. Here's what Bill said. He said, God's purpose is always to change our character. You see, in Romans 8, 28, it talks about that God works for the good of those who call him Father. The good sometimes we mistranslate because the good that God wants to do most often is what's inside. Week two, week two, we had our Franklin campus pastor, Greg Coble. He came to us to share uh, week two of the series. He said a life first not only anchors you, but it can transform you as well. So a life first transforms you. Greg's verse comes from uh, the book of John. And in John chapter 3, verse 30, this is John the Baptist's words, and he says, He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. And Greg shared with us that throughout his life, as he's challenged to grow in his relationship with Christ, that he finds this principle to be true. That for us to grow with God, we've got to realize that we must become less and less. The he that John is talking about here is Jesus. And Greg said this in week two. He said, if you don't know what God says about your identity as his child or the promises that he makes about you, you may feel like you're always climbing uphill. Always climbing uphill. The idea that struggles will face us and we just might feel that they're always facing us. I'll talk about some struggles as it relates to my life first too. I love the fact that Greg shared that story from the book of John. And in week three, just last week, we borrowed our friend back from New York City, Jeff Johnson. I hope you were here for that. Uh, But he brought us uh, his life first. 
And what he said is, is yes, that a life verse is definitely an anchor for your souls, but a life verse also brings you back to God. It brings you back to God. Jeff's life verse comes from the book of Psalms, in particular chapter 46. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. I love that Jeff last week talked about how important it is to understand that sometimes life verses come to us in times of trouble. But for him, it actually came to him earlier than that. And in fact, it grew on him. And as he experienced both life on his own and seeing life in other friends, that he was able to understand this idea. And see, Jeff said something in his talk that I want to make sure that we take with us as well. He said, when bad things happen, your entire world doesn't have to unravel because you're rooted, you're anchored in God. And you know, that brings us to week four. Here today, week four. And I can tell you that, yes, a life verse is an anchor for me. But it also brings peace and contentment. Life first brings peace and contentment. Now, some of you are cheating already. You've read ahead a little bit. So let me just get right to it. Let me tell you where my life verse comes from. Actually, it comes from Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Yes, I know I cheated. I took two verses. You'll understand why, I promise. Starts like this. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And that's good, but I got to pair it with verse 7 because it applies to my life. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You see, this verse did come to me as a result of pain in my life, of tragedy. You know, the idea of peace uh, was real, I guess you could say, for us uh, as a couple, my wife Jen and I, but it became a lot more real on November 2nd, 2011 the day that we lost our son, Leo. And you may have heard Leo's story from this platform before, and I just want to tell you that, that if you have, I'm only going to share a little bit of it today because there's a second half of the story that I haven't shared that's powerful and that, that God really laid on my heart. But five weeks before November 2nd, 2011, we had some specialists tell my wife and I that our little boy, Leo, was not going to make it. He was probably going to be born way too early, and he just wasn't at a place in which we would end up getting to raise him. And you know, on November 2nd, my wife went into labor. We went to the hospital, and, and we had some peace going. In fact, it was kind of weird. Some, some of the nurses and doctors we'd run into expecting to see a, a distraught and, and, and uh, beside themselves couple, which we could have been. We would have had perfect reason to be. Somehow we had peace with it. And in fact, some of the relationships that we developed there in the hospital, because of that weirdness, actually still exist today. You see, what really happened in my life on November 2nd is what happened after we lost our little boy. God did some incredible things with Leo. And I hope that you'll go back and check that story out on a previous podcast. But that evening on November 2nd, 2011, practically speaking, I was alone in the hospital room, and I was broken. I'd spent those five weeks trying to be a strong husband, 
trying to be the guy that, that was always the doer, looking to that next, the next natural step, right? The next appointments, I'm going to be strong to the next appointment, trying to lead my wife and my family. And at that moment, there wasn't a next appointment. It was just, that was it. And I was broken, and I reached out to God in the same way that my life first tells me to. And this peace, this, this indescribable, as it's talked about, peace came upon me. It is a weird, a tangible peace. It's like you can almost feel it on your skin. And I was able to experience that in that moment and in the couple of days afterwards. Incredible, incredible moment for me. And if you would have come to me on November 3rd, 2011, the very next day and said, hey, Matt, what's your life verse? I would have said, without a doubt, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I'd read it multiple times before. I probably wouldn't have been able to memorize it and repeat it to you, but I knew what that idea talked about. And on November 3rd, I would have told you right to your face. Absolutely, that's my life verse. But you see, that's not where the story ends in particular for this week. Because I told you it stuck with me, right? But in the weeks to come, I actually found something even more amazing. Even more transformational, life-altering in my life. You know, it was the 2012 Hyundai Veloster. That's right, the 2012 Hyundai Veloster. Now, the production team around here says that my car cannot come on stage. Something about the stage collapsing or whatever, big embarrassment, I don't know. So you're going to have to bear with me for a couple of seconds because I've got to introduce you to the 2012 Hyundai Veloster. Okay, so, have you ever met a 1.6 liter GDI 40 MPG GPS, because who can trust Google? Almost panoramic sunroof, giant 7-inch infotainment system. Did you know you can actually play an Xbox in the car on a giant 7-inch screen? (laughs) Now look, 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 the best part. The absolute best part, and I cannot leave this out, is what you see in the photo right in front of you. You see what I'm leaning on right there? That, my friends, is a third door. That's right. A three-door, 40 MPG hatchback. You see, this is where the funny part kind of ends. Because I want to tell you about the not-so-funny part of the story. See, I didn't need a new car. And on December 28th, 2011, seven weeks after we lost my boy, I put a $1,000 deposit down at the dealership. You see, I, I even asked the dealership to go to another state to find one that I wanted. Right color, the right wheels. Now, some of you are feeling guilty for buying a car right now. That's not what I'm getting at. But you see, I had uh, gone against the wishes of my wife, who told me that we didn't need a new car. I actually sold my own car in the meantime and forced us to drive in one car back and forth to work. We've been working on our finances. We've been trying to follow Dave Ramsey's debt snowball. We'd gotten down to about $17,000 in debt. Most of that was student loans. Maybe I think we had a little bit maybe of credit card debt left. And I would double our consumer debt in one day. Why? Why? Why would I do that? 
It's because I forgot. I forgot God. I forgot that he had come through. You see, in those weeks afterward, I did what a lot of us do. I ran from my problems and my pain. And instead of returning right back to that life verse that I told you about, I would have told you on November 3rd, I forgot. You see, I'm glad to tell you that my my wife and I were consumer debt-free as a household today. But I made it a lot more difficult along the way. And so today, this idea is what I want to finish up this series with. This idea that God has laid on my heart, man, it's deep. If you see a tear for me here too today, it's because this is real for me, and I don't want you to do what I did. Here's a lesson that I learned, and it's in your notes. In the absence of God's word, we forget. You can even insert life verse there. In the absence of a life verse, a portion of God's word that speaks directly to our hearts, we forget. I know I'm not the only one. I know I'm not the only one. Maybe, I, and I don't know what your struggles in life have been. I don't know what your highest of highs have been because we do the same thing there as well. Maybe for you it's not a car, but maybe when life gets tough, maybe it's the whiskey bottle. Maybe for you it's a pill bottle. I don't know. Some of us even go so far as to make decisions that wreck our finances. Some of us ignore it long enough that we wreck a marriage. I don't know what it is for you, but I know that in the absence of an anchor, we tend to make some really tough decisions. And this idea, this idea that somehow we we end up broken when we don't remember, when we forget God, it's not new. In fact, David Pallison, an author who wrote a book called Speaking Truth in Love, said something important that I want you to see. He says, the only way we ever sin is by suppressing God, by forgetting, by tuning out his voice, switching channels, and listening to other voices. When you actually remember, you actually change. In fact, remembering is the first change. You see, if in the absence of God's word, we forget, I hope that the opposite, I hope the opposite is true as well. And actually, I know it is because I've lived it out. The opposite is what's in your notes. A life verse, an anchor to God, forces us to remember the faithfulness of God. It forces us to remember the faithfulness of God. You know, this idea, Jesus knew. (laughs) Jesus just plain knew this. He knew that we would need to be forced to remember him, to remember his faithfulness. Now, use the word force on purpose, okay? Because it'd be nice if it was a simple ask, like, hey, guys, don't forget me. I kind of did something important. Uh, No, Jesus knew that we would be tempted, if not fail, in remembering him. So in 1 Corinthians, I want to point you to a passage that's going to sound really familiar, okay? And the Apostle Paul is writing to the church uh, at Corinth, and he's telling them about what Jesus did the night before he was arrested. That night, here it is. 
In the same way, he, Jesus, took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this, is, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. The next thing is important. He says, do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. You see, Jesus knew that we would be tempted to forget him every day. He knew that. Not only that, he knew we'd be tempted to forget him every single day, multiple times. And so Jesus institutes what we would translate as communion or the Lord's Supper maybe today. And it's not just when we experience that at church that he's talking about. He's gathering together with his guys, people that experienced life with him. And he says, guys, 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 whenever you get together and eat and drink, remember me. Remember me. He knew that we'd have to sustain ourselves, something we do every day, to keep this body going. He chose that as a place to say, hey, whenever you do that, just remember who I am and what I have done for you. And it's because of something really important and also very simple. What we remember matters. What we remember matters. Some of you are looking at me right now and saying, duh, yeah, okay. Let me show you what I'm talking about. If you were to come up to me and say, hey, Matt, hey, uh, tell me a little bit about you. Like, what, what, you know, where do you come from? I'm going to do something like this. I'm going to say, well, you know, if I look back, there's a lot about me in my story. You know, when I was 11 years old, uh, in the summer after fifth grade, my mom and my stepdad and my dad and my stepmom filed for divorce in the same weekend. I went from a once to a thrice divorced child in 48 hours. Now look, it's not all that drab, okay? I can go a little bit farther. I can tell you that in seventh grade, I was invited to church for the first time. I can tell you in high school, right? We all have memories from high school. Some of us will be glory days, mine not so much. Uh, We've got those times we remember the relationships that we had, uh, maybe the, the dumb decisions we made, or whatever it is we remember high school. I can tell you I went to college. Something happened during my freshman year of college that is probably a common experience for all of us. September 11th, 2001. You see, the ideas that we have about war, about what terror looks like, a lot of those ideas were born for many of us on that day. For me, even more personally, it's about watching my friends go to war. It's also about watching them come home from war and seeing what that does to their families. Look, I'd go on, I'd get married. There's tough times there. There's amazing times. We're in our 10th year of marriage right now. You know, I can tell you, that's worth a clap. I heard one. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you that, that it's not just that, right? I mean, it's Yes, it's marriage. I've told you about Leo, an absolutely monumental event in our lives that God had come through then. But I didn't tell you the other end of that, that even six months after Leo, we would lose my mom to lung cancer. Just three months after that, we would lose my wife's grandmother to dementia. The ideas that we have about loss, that I have about loss, and what God looks like in those times, will forever be shaped by those ideas. And if I were to ask you something similar, you, you'd tell me your story. Maybe your story doesn't have a lot of loss in it. Maybe it has a lot of success in it. 
a lot of gain in your life where God has shown up and, and proven his power to you. Maybe that's what your story looks like. But actually, I want to ask you a different question today because that's easy to do. It's easy for us to look back on our lives and see big things in our lives. That's, that's easy to do, to be honest with you. But I want to ask you a different, more important question. It's in your notes. When in your life do you remember God showing up in a big way? When in your life do you remember God showing up and being faithful? Why is that question important? You might ask yourself, why? Why would that question be important? Because it's not good enough just simply to remember the tough times or the awesome times in our lives. That's, that's simply not good enough to God. Because what we go back to, what we remember, it matters. It absolutely matters. Let me show you what I mean. You see, I just told you some things about kind of my history, my story, right? I can also tell you that at 11 years old, God would surround me with grandparents and extended family and friends when my mom had to leave a verbally abusive husband. I'm going to tell you about seventh grade, that invite to church. That was God inspiring my friend Ashton to do what everybody at his church had been telling him to do, invite your friends to church. I'm going to tell you right now, even though you're not in seventh grade, invite your friends to church. He would invite me to a New Year's party. That was fun. He'd invite me back for a Super Bowl party, and I've practically been in a church every Sunday since. Started that journey that I'm still on today. I could tell you even a little bit later that after college, shoot, I, I, I expected, or I had expended every ounce of effort I could possibly think of to find a job to support my family after college. And it wasn't until one day I just simply said, okay, God, everything I thought I wanted to do, nah, I got nothing. I leave it to you. And within two days, I get a cold call from somebody who had just happened to have my resume. I can even fast forward even more recently when a colleague of ours here at Emmanuel, a friend, was clinging to life in the hospital. And a few of us gathered together and launched some giant, ugly prayers to God. And he answered them immediately. You see, remembering God in our story Remembering God as the anchor of our lives, God wants us to do that. He wants us to do that. And in fact, I'll even go so far as to say, He needs us to remember Him. God needs you to remember Him. Now, why did I just say that the creator of the universe, the guy who's got everything at His disposal, needs you? I'm going to give you a little glimpse, just a little glimpse. In 1 Peter 3.15, we see a glimpse of why this is so important. Peter says, instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. You must remember Jesus first. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Always. So, why does God need us to remember him? It's because that's how God has gotten his work done for 2,000 years. Do you ever notice that God just doesn't show up every four or five years and drop some world-sized miracle on us just to, rem just to remind us about how big and powerful and in charge that he is? No, he doesn't do that. Instead, he relies on his people. 
to remember him in their story. Why? It's in your notes. We need to remember because our story matters to others. Our story matters to others. Yeah, it's the person sitting next to you in church today. Yes, it's the person in the cubicle or the office next to you on Monday morning. And yes, it's that brother of yours who has always been skeptical of church and what God can do in his life. He matters too. And look, I don't know where you're at today. I kind of feel like I'm yelling at you and, I, and I'm just fired up about this topic, okay? <laughs> but it's because I'm, I'm passionate about this idea that we go through life and even in the greatest of times, we forget to remember God. But we need to remember him because it matters to the people in our lives. And you might be here today in the middle of your struggle. You might be here saying, look, Matt, I know, I know that there's some story going on here. I can't see anything about it right now. I'm sure like when I'm out of this financial struggle or, or when our marriage is finally healed, that yeah, I'll, that I'll be able to tell that story. Let me tell you that your story matters right now. God does some of his craziest work when you're in the middle of the struggle and you're willing to look to him in the middle of that struggle. The people in your life, they don't just need to see you as a happy Christian when things are good. They need to see you as someone who remembers God even in the midst of what's going on. And you might even have a hard time even thinking about, hey, God's been in my life where? And for those of you, for those of you who might be struggling to answer that question where God has been in a big way, in your life. I want to encourage you with a verse before my life verse in the same letter to the church at Philippi from the Apostle Paul. Look, the author of my life verse knows a little bit about struggle. He wrote my life verse in the whole book there, the whole letter to the church at Philippi. He wrote the whole letter while being imprisoned. He was imprisoned and yet wrote these words. In chapter 1, verse 6, Paul says, Be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, God, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You see, Paul had been bragging a little bit about the church of Philippi. They'd been doing some really good stuff, and he was loving on them. And he says, Hey, that God that's been doing all those good things, never lose hope, because until the day Jesus comes back, He's still got work to do in you. Now look, I don't know if Jesus has come back in the few minutes that we've been talking here today. I don't think so. I'm hoping that we wouldn't be here. But because he hasn't done that, this is the same for us. We have work to do. God has work to do in you. And let me tell you a secret. Those tough things, those hard things in your life, the work that he's doing in your life right now, not only does that matter to him, but he's the author of that story. He's the author of my story. So look, things have been tough in my life. They have. They've been amazing. I got nothing to complain about, guys. But I will tell you that even in those tough times, I will tell my story. Because you see, as I dig into God's word, as I try to do day to day, and I fail at it all the time, but if I try to do day to day, what it is that we're challenging us to do as a church in this series, to dig into God's word, to find an anchor for our souls, find some scripture that speaks directly to your life. As I dig into that, I can be confident. 
I'm confident when, I'm remember, when I remember that this God that writes my story, this is the same God that breathed life into Adam and Eve. This is the same God that parted the Red Sea and the Jordan River after that. This is the same God that would, for thousands of years, stick with his people, even though we continue to mess this thing up. This is the same God that would send his son, a lamb, a spotless lamb as an earthly sacrifice, because it's the only way that he could have paid that debt that we have racked up. I'm going to remember that God that looked down on his son being beaten and spat on and nailed to a cross and yet still remembers me in that. He still thought of us in that. And I want to remember that son. I want to remember that son. A son that looked at his people while he was nailed to a cross, beaten and bloody, near death, and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know, they just don't know what they're doing. You see, I'm going to remember that Jesus. I'm going to remember that Jesus because he looked Satan in the eye and laughed at death. I'm going to remember Jesus because he conquered death. See all that sin and, and hurt and pain that I rack up in this world? He washed it away. You see, I'm going to remember a God that's done some big things in my life. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason that we have to remember God. Because look, if I don't remember him, if I don't stick to what it is that my life first tells me to do, if I don't remember him, all of the pain and the struggle in my life, all the work that he has done, it's useless. It's just useless. So look, when we come to you in this series and, and we get fired up and we say, guys, dig into God's word and, and find a life first, find an anchor for your soul, why would we do that? It's because it's personal for us. It burns inside of us. Because look, we know that God has incredible work for you to do in your life. He absolutely does. And we cannot let you walk out of here week in and week out and not get that. It's because Bill and Greg and Jeff and I, we want you to be able to answer a simple question. When the amazing things happen in your life, when you're at the top of the top, and even when life lays on you and the weight of the world seems to be on your shoulders, what will you go back to? What will anchor you? What will you remember? And see, we've left a, note, uh, a space in your notes this week. We've left a space there for you to fill that in. And I'm not going to ask you to do it at this second. Because I think this takes time to have an open heart with God. For him to show us the things in our lives in which we need to focus on and remember him for so I'm going to start our job this week with prayer. And I hope that you'll continue to dig into this as you get into your small groups this week. Because what we remember matters. And God needs us to remember him in our story. He needs us to. This journey stops if we don't remember. 
Will you join me in prayer? Lord, we come to you today as a people thankful, so thankful for the amazing, incredible things you've done in our life. Lord, this idea that that we need to remember you, we know that you know this about us, and so first and foremost, just forgive us. Forgive us for being just goofy people who always look to the things of this world to solve our problems. Lord, help us to remember that we can be anchored to you. And Lord, this week we simply just open our hearts to you. Start right now. Begin to remind us of the things in which you've been faithful, that you've answered our prayers, that you have healed those people in our lives, that you have restored the marriages that I both know or maybe have experienced on my own, that you've seen me in the bottom of the well and yet gave me a way to get out. Lord, help us to see you, to remember you, because we know that the people you place in our lives around us, they need you. And the only way they see you is through us. Lord, we lift this prayer to you today. We lift it to you because we know that our lives must rely on you to be good, to be great. Continue to work on us as we've heard in this series. Continue to challenge our character. Remind us that of who we are in you. And Lord, as we, as we sing this song, as we lift this song back to you, may you be the first thing that we remember. It is in the name of the Son that you gave to us, that you watched on that cross pay that penalty for us. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.
You guys can have a seat. Look, I don't know. I don't know what you walked in here today with as a story. I don't know if it's uh, if you're at a high high right now, and maybe God's telling you like, hey, 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 don't forget. Like, I'm helping you do that. I don't know if you're in the middle of the deepest struggle of your life. Or if you walked in here today and this whole idea of throwing an anchor to God or is just foreign to you. Wherever you are in this place, I can tell you because I've lived this out in my life. This is a God that cares about you. I didn't just say it for dramatic effect that this is the same God who looked down on a cross and saw his own son near death. And yet, thought of you. So maybe today is a day for you to remember. Maybe today is that day that you finally say, all right, I'm done doing this on my own, God. I've ignored you for too long. Here's my anchor. And you throw it out. I don't know. I don't know. But if that is you today, I just, I want to tell you there is no time that's a better time. There's no getting your life together first and coming to God. That invitation is open all the time. And so I want to take just a second that if that's you, that you feel an uncomfortable tug on your heart that you haven't felt before, maybe you're just feeling weird right now in a way you've never felt before, don't doubt that's God. I was in that spot too. There was a time in my life, and, and, and I already told you about a bunch of it, where I had nothing else but to look to God. So I'm going to lead a prayer. And remember that, that this prayer, is, it's, there's, there isn't anything super important in the actual words. It's about an open heart and an open conversation between you and God. So if you're here today and you have yet to make that decision, I hope that you'll grab your anchor and you'll throw it out today. I'm going to say a prayer and say something like this and just open your heart. Say, God, I'm here today. The waters of this world have tossed me everywhere. I've had no anchor in this world. And today is the day that I make the decision that I want to remember you. I want to give you that anchor and let you hold me tight. And Lord, I know that I come to this spot with with sin, with things that I've done wrong, not only against you, but the people in my life. And I just ask that today, because I know that you can, forgive me. Forgive me of those wrongs, those sins that I have committed. Lord, invade my life, invade my heart, and take over. Help me to begin a journey with you today. Help me to remember today as the day that I start this journey with you. Jesus, it's in your name that I pray this prayer. Amen. Hey, if, if that's you today, if that anchor is shiny and new that you threw to God, I just want you to know that, that we're not okay just leaving you there. We are not okay as a church saying, good for you, see you later. We actually, we, we purchase a gift just for you. So if you were bold enough today to open your heart to God, I just ask that, that you'll be bold as well, just to step back at some tables in the back of our auditorium on the way out. And all we want to do is just place a gift in your hand. It's a one-year New Testament. It's four to five minutes every day of God's Word. That thing we told you to dig into and find words that speak to your life, 
we want you to begin that journey the right way. It's four to five minutes a day. It's broken down each day so that you can get into God's word and see what he says about you as his child. Our folks would love to talk to you about starting point as well. So if you're, if you're bold enough to do that, I, I just, I want to celebrate with you today for those that have made that first decision for Jesus. Let's celebrate what God's doing, not only in their lives, but in our lives every single day. Guys, I have a plea for you. I have a sincere ask of you. Do not be December 28th, 2011, Matt Randall. Don't do it. All right? I need you to be November 3rd, Matt Randall. I want you to be a day fresh from some of the hardest pain or even highest high in your life. I want you to be hours and days removed from that every single day. As you jump into your small groups this week, we're going to encourage your leaders to challenge you with action steps that help you do that, to put things into your life that will force us to remember where God's been faithful. Because I know I, for one, have got a lot of God's faithfulness in my life. God loves you. We love you in this church. Let's pray and we'll head home. Lord, our grateful hearts are open to you. Lord, we've said it already, but just fill our hearts with, with where you've been faithful before and help us to remember that you will be faithful moving on. You still have a lot of story to write in our lives, and we know that today. Lord, we remember you. Thank you for being a God that continues to come through. Got our hearts this week, Lord. It's in the name of your son we pray. Amen. You guys have a great week. Come back next week, please. We've got an awesome series called Imperfect Family, which is going to be hilarious that you'll want to come back for. We love you. See you.